You know what, listeners? I got to level with you. I got to level with you. I don't want to do a cold open. I'm sick of doing cold opens. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I don't want to fucking just... think of anything. I can't. We've got nothing. I already said, I already said Jen Pasuck me. Yeah, that didn't work. We had For Pasaki. Didn't, didn't, yeah. no, we had to cut that. Uh, Nick's we tried the to do another one. like monkey monkey one. Can't we can't keep doing the monkey hits? Well, so here's the thing: if we we can, I thought about that earlier because I've been I've been working out how bittersweet chimpanzee is going to work, mm. and uh, we can't like spoil bittersweet. I can't we I can, we can't give away too much of it, and so right, we're right, not right. doing that one. Um, also, they're not monkeys; they're technically humans. Mm. Uh, yeah, we we tried to do the one where Liz tells me a secret. Uh, unfortunately, she keeps no secrets from me, so we couldn't do that. This isn't true. Um, oh, you, well, oh, it's not, is it? What <laughs> secrets are you keeping from me? None of your beeswax. We agreed there would be nothing between us except a veil of lies and deceit and misdirection, and this is how you betray me. Oof, I feel bad for our listeners. I, I, you know what? I want to apologize. Oof, don't no, Liz. Do, no, Liz. Don't do that. Don't apologize. Never That's apologize. Okay. Hello, Thank everyone. My name that. is. <laughs> My name is Liz. I am Rachel Jake. We are joined here by producer Hyung Chomsky, and the podcast the is called True and On. <laughs> that podcast. it is. And uh, what are we doing today? Oh, we've got good friend of the pod, Abby Martin here. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking. What are we talking about? We're talking kind of like some bummer stuff, actually. <laughs> Yeah, gonna... yeah, we're talking about loss and grief, um, and <laughs> but a lot of renewal there too. No, I'm just kidding. We are talking about some old. You know, I, I have stared at pictures. In fact, I have pictures of a lot of these people we talk about printed out and put into well, a thing I have. And uh, we there's is there a single good looking person who works in the State Department? Absolutely not. Like they have some mid level bureaucrats that are like sevens. No. Being an American bureaucrat, like uh, it, like turns it disfigures your your face from the yeah. inside because it's like the the like evil blacks like you know black goo that yeah. that your heart pumps in uh, in lieu of human blood. Yeah, it's what it kind of like you know it's what what kind of sickens the the face and the coloring and the you know yeah. disfigures the nose and the eyes all from the inside. I would hate to be one of the guys that's like, you know, assigned to the Chinese embassy as like a cultural whatever contact or whatever that is supposed to like mm. seduce like, you know, bureaucrats of the State Department. You're just like, God, I got to keep fucking these guys. Like, just give me a break, man. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, so anybody who does that for any foreign government, not only do I support you, but I sympathize with you, too. Anyways, we are talking, as if you might have guessed by this, we are talking about all these fucking freaks that are now in the government, in the goddamn Biden administration. What's exactly is going on, how they're thinking about Russia, China, what they did to Libya, all of these things. It's a good kind of well-rounded episode, I think. 
Yeah, it was a good conversation. I love talking to Abby. Yeah, she's got to have her back on a bunch. Um, so anyways, let us start up the C-130, uh, let us descend, well, not descend, but, you know, go, well, yeah, let's descend to an appropriate height above this airfield in Libya, and let's drop this interview. Still have bittersweet chimpanzee stuck in my head, oh so my I head. have to empty my head in order to do the intro. <laughs> Are you recording it, Bruce? Yeah, I'll, I'll, we can talk about that later. But I'm recording acapella, bittersweet chimpanzee. Wow. Um, yeah, it's uh, to pitch it. Me and <laughs> I'm gonna get rich by pitching it to Weird Al because um, <laughs> I think he'll do the demo reel. All right, now can I be the monkey sound? You can help with the monkey sound, yeah, but I'm yes. not cutting you in. Um, <laughs> Welcome. No, this is so late. Okay, it's hello. So, it's I hate doing too, it. Dude. I now hate doing it. Let's roll on in. Chimpanzee, it's we have in my head now. Yeah, we we have with us. We don't have a bittersweet chimpanzee. We do have Abby Martin. You know her. You love her. Empire Files Media Roots Radio here to talk to us about some uh, some pretty delightful news. Always the war positive is over. news. Yeah, all <laughs> yeah. the wars have ended, guys. It, America's back. <laughs> America's back, baby. America first to America's back. Thank you so much for having me on True and On. Very good to be on. We're so yeah. excited to have you. We've wanted to yeah. have you for a while. This is perfect. And now, is there a third Martin? I wish. Like, there's I no wish. like Melvin Martin out there. <laughs> <laughs> there's sloth in the basement. Uh, Do you have any no. like weird cousins? Yeah. Nope. No, no one. Oh, Our extended family is shrinking by the day. Uh, everyone died off. No, it's just Robbie and I left. We're the only well, ones if, left. If you guys, if you can figure out another Martin for us to have on, <laughs> we would we would be thrilled. Because as as listeners may have figured out. Uh, Abby is, of course, the sister of our very frequent guest, Robbie Martin, and uh, and co-host of Media Roots Radio with him. We're so stoked to have you here because uh, Biden's administration is a go. It's on. Mm-hmm. We're about a month in. And uh, a bunch of the appointments have come through. They're starting to – Congress is starting to – uh, approve all the secretaries, all the undersecretaries, and we wanted to have you on to kind of take a look at some of these characters. A lot of them we have met before in past lives, <laughs> past past administrative uh, lives, um, and they're back. A lot of the Biden administration seems to be kind of like Obama to, you know, I don't know, the next, the, the sequel or something. White um, Obama. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we we talked about uh, specifically a couple characters, uh, Tony Blinken, Victoria Newland, Samantha Power, although there's others. And there's recently been some like pretty, I mean, what seems to be pretty big announcements the Biden administration made. They've made some moves where they say they're going to... Uh, they're going to try and pull out of Yemen or pull support uh, for Saudi intervention in Yemen. They want to restart, uh, restart the START treaty with Russia, things like that, that maybe um, on the surface sound really, really good, but maybe there's some other things going on here. So we're happy to have you to kind of lady explain uh, yeah, what these assholes are up to, because I don't trust any of them. And you shouldn't. 
I mean, like you said, this is this is like a redux of the Obama administration, except yeah. unlike Obama, no one is going into this with like any illusions at all. Yeah, I think everyone yeah. knew how awful like Biden was literally like the most right wing worst pick in the primary. I think that we all can agree with that. And, and he is completely losing his mental faculties. So which means that he'll be even more of a puppet from all mm. of these people in the background, all of the, the nefarious think tanks and all of these war hawks that are surrounding him from the Obama era. Um, he just made his giant foreign policy speech. It was a real snoozer. Yeah. On Boy, howdy. I mean, that was a, it was, it was, uh, all right. I mean, uh, that was, that was spoken Xanax. You could say it was, it was awful. There's no amount of Xanax that could have prepared you for that shit, man. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, and this yeah. is the problem with Democrats in general. It's like they were cheering on all of Trump's war crimes and atrocities when it came to the U S empire, like from the right. You know a lot of the a lot of the instances during his tenure and they are now inheriting like a less accountable and just much bigger like drone empire for example and this is everything across the board like he ramped up sanctions he ramped up arms sales and there's no talk about reining any of this back and so biden is re-inheriting the, the drone empire that him and obama like mm -hmm. launched um, and they're not even talking about, okay, let's make this more transparent, more accountable, nothing at all, right? And then when it comes to Iran, they're not talking about lifting the sanctions that are absolutely genocidal levels that like now Iranians are facing malnutrition for the first time in years. Like, so every way you look at it, it's it's super dark. And Biden, it's super just like window dressing on what Trump did. But as we know, like Democrats don't disagree with all of the things that Trump did. Um, and all you see in terms of a shift is really this weaponization of like identity politics, um, randomly fulfilling diversity quotas, like shoving black mm. people and women into random positions. Like, like, for example, Susan Rice is now overseeing domestic policy, which is like which she's known for a foreign really policy. Actually, really scary because <laughs> Susan Rice is extremely hawkish. I don't know Absolutely. if I want her looking at anything right. domestic. Right. I know. It's like, dude, what the hell is this? But it's like she clearly wanted a foreign policy role, but he just wanted another black woman in somewhere. Yeah. You know, and so he just put her. In. So it's this weird, cynical exploitation of identity politics and just so he can come out of the gates and be like, my cabinet is the most diverse cabinet yeah, in the history yeah. of this country. And it means nothing at all. Um, and then you have like Jen Psaki, the White House spokesperson, saying that she's real excited about continuing Space Force. Like, yeah, you well, know they what gotta I mean? continue Space Force. <laughs> I, it, it, it does I mean, seem like a little do. bit of poor timing considering yeah. the, uh, you know, the economic situation in this country. <laughs> Right. Uh, and also, she does fulfill a quota by being a redhead, too. There you go. The ginger. We got the ginger <laughs> exactly. quota fulfilled. But the Yemen thing is super tricky because that was one of the things that I like. I was most excited about. I was like, yeah, let's yeah, absolutely. fucking end these weapon shipments to Saudi Arabia and the UAE and all of these criminal Gulf states and stuff because this is like a huge impediment to to stopping kill poor Yemenis, you know? And so Biden, in his speech, he was very clear about really important keywords that are huge gaping qualifiers, right? That leave open like huge fucking caveats that can mean so much more. So he said an end to offensive support to the war, mm. which means, what does that mean? I mean, defense is really why Obama justified getting into the war in the first place. Right. Saudi Arabia claims the entire war is defensive. 
Exactly. And, and, and I actually wasn't really under the impression that America conducted offensive operations right. in yeah. Yemen. I mean, even Trump stopped refueling. Uh, you know, obviously, we still provide that. I mean, again, this is this is all the above board stuff we know about. I'm sure that there are actual, you know, like boots on the ground offensive operations going on that we don't know about. Um, but yeah, I, I was a little confused about that because the whole thing is, is is postured as a defensive war by Saudi Arabia, as, a, you know, the Houthis are threatening their border. Exactly, exactly. And really what the Houthis did was just like oust a puppet, a Saudi puppet that was in Yemen that and there were mass protests against the IMF austerity measures. And so, yeah, the whole thing is framed as uh, defensive. And in fact, Biden said we are going to continue working with Saudi to prevent um, or to, you know, implement counterterrorism measures on the border of Riyadh. And so that, you know, if you look at like what the U.S. was doing beyond weapons shipments, it was refueling, which you mentioned, Trump stopped, but it was also training Mm -hmm. uh, troops on the ground, tactical logistical support for targeting. And all of those things could be considered defensive with the Pentagon's terminology. It's very tricky. And then you also had him say, we're ending, quote, relevant arms sales. Right, relevant right, right. arms sales. What the fuck does that mean? It could mean just relevant to we're, you know, we know that these bombs are going to bomb Yemenis, but what about all the thousands of missiles that we're going to continue to sell the Gulf states that we could just like wipe our hands clean and be like, well, we have no idea what these missiles are doing. We just hope that you're mm-hmm. using them defensively. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, what does that mean? So, and then you have Blinken talking about sanctioning the Houthis that control 80% of Yemeni territory. How are you going to provide aid? To people you're sanctioning the country and really we know the gravest part of all of this is the naval blockade that's like starving you know 30 million people 80 percent of them are like on the verge of famine so this is something that the u.s has not talked about at all and here's the real clincher we're still going to be bombing yemen we are still going to be bombing yemen the the criminal government um, bombing the AQAP, the Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. Right. So yeah, this is yeah. like <laughs> that's not stopping. <laughs> like it was weird to see. I mean, it was pretty much passed around in the press. Like this was a big, you know, big turn that like Blinken and Biden they're making a big move away from what Trump was doing. As if the, I, I, it was very weird how people are now associating the Yemen war spe- only specifically with Trump, as if this hasn't been going on for a long time. But now it was, it, you know, it was kind of signaling this big foreign policy pivot. Um, and it seems like no one really was listening to anything they were saying or perhaps were just reading off a press release that they were given. I don't really know. I, I mean, I think yeah, it was I that. I think it's exactly what you're saying. Like AP just puts these press releases out and you yeah. just see them repeated with no critical thinking whatsoever. And you tend to see that with a lot of like speeches, especially when it comes to Biden. I mean, let's face it, the yeah. media is going to be so much more... Um, yeah, they just, just blase about him. this shit. Yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah, there's abs- no abs- more criticism. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, because I, I, I was really heartened to see that the Houthis, they were talking about taking them off the terror list, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and ending weapon shipments. But again, it was repeat. it was repeating the press as ending weapon shipments, but they're not going to be actually ending weapon shipments to Saudi Arabia in general. Saudi Arabia is one of the most important partners we have in the fight, of course, against the imperialist regime in Tehran. And so <laughs> they need to, they need, you know, it's, it's uh, people forget, but you know, Obama oversaw, I think it was a $115 billion arms deal with Saudi Arabia. And Blinken was one of the people in charge of that. Uh, I, exactly. I think some of that did get retracted after, uh, 
that famous triple tap on the wedding uh, that the mm. the Saudi Air Force did with, uh, uh, of course, American weapons and American. Can't forget health. the triple tap. Yeah, can, they, I will say the double tap has gotten a lot of play in the sort of air <laughs> air bombing uh, yeah, yeah. news in the past ten years. The Saudis were like, you know, fuck this. We're doing triple tap. Like, we're going to kill the people who rescue the rescuers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, my God. That's how uh, military developments advance, you know? And But, like, under Obama, it was sort of this embarrassed, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we're we're, getting, we're selling this stuff to the Saudis. But it wasn't really trumpeted. And then, then when Trump came in, and not to say trumpeted and Trump in the same sentence, which I did, Trump comes in, you know, the first week, I think he goes to Riyadh and has the, uh, you know. The orb. The orb. Yeah, the orb. But he also, I I think this was that trip. He had the poster with all of the different drones and stuff they're selling. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Pointing to them. A great picture. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm I'm really curious to see what will actually happen here. But I, I absolutely don't believe that we're that we're ending the this sort of war against anybody who might at all be in any way aligned with Iran, because the the people who decide that policy, I mean, they're still here. Of course, of course. And I mean, this has been said to death, but like I trust Biden and I take him at his word when he says nothing will fundamentally change. And that means (laughs) all of these global alliances and really the America is back. Mantra really just means we're shifting from the isolationist foreign policy where we're isolating our allies and strengthening China and Russia because that's what they really mean. They want this imperial alliance where we are collaborating yeah. with our junior, um, you know, the the juniors of the empire, which is like Europe and all these other countries to isolate the big competitors, China and Russia. And that's that's really why they hated Trump on the foreign policy stage. Yeah. So you actually hear this a lot from this sort of like liberal internationalist wing is that when America steps out, Russia and China step in. And that sort of seems to be the mantra or or at least the the, the mindset behind a lot of the people in the incoming administration or the actual administration now is that when America retreats from the world, which we definitely haven't done militarily, but, you know, mm-hmm. diplomatically and stuff like that. Russia and China come to fill the void. Uh, you know, specifically, I think a lot of them talk about the World Health Organization and stuff like that. You know, these 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 organizations that America is supposed to dominate, and and I think we're going to absolutely see a resurgence, a renaissance in America domination, uh, especially because you know organizations like that appeal so much to these these liberal internationalists. I mean, that's that's their bread and butter. Right. I mean, what we've seen is just uh, remasking. So now the neoliberal interventionism wrapped up in like human rights and humanitarianism. Mm, so when yeah. it comes to China, we're talking about the Uyghurs and even though Pompeo like <laughs> Bolton pretended to care about Muslims, <laughs> which is really funny. But yeah, I mean, you just see like more care and concern toward LGBTQ rights in Russia randomly, yeah. you know, like right. that yeah. that kind of shit is just going to be wrapped up in that. And that brings us to of course, Powers, who is... Yeah, I was yes. going to say, that's her, that's her. <laughs> that's her say, bread and butter. That's her walk-on music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, USA, that's what, that's what we use USAID and the National Endowment for Democracy mm-hmm. for. It's like we use these regime change front groups in countries like Ukraine to garner, like, the resistance on the ground and try to weaken the state from within. 
Um, and so Trump was doing like the obtuse measure of just sanctioning the fuck out of the planet, which was a little bit more obvious and pretty mm. fucking devastating. Um, but yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. using regime change front groups like USAID and NED are way more like under the radar. And, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't connect the dots. Yeah, I know that recently there was um, one of the Russian foreign minister, uh, the the girl, I'm forgetting her name. She's very funny. The like spokeswoman. uh the Russian foreign minister mm -hmm. um, but she came out and she was uh, admonishing a bunch of US diplomats and the US and saying you guys because they were they were supporting all these like protests in Russia and I guess that the US embassy had printed out like protest routes <laughs> oh my fucking <laughs> like God, in different man. you know it was all about um, what's his name uh, Navalny, Navalny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they came out and they were like, we know what you're doing. You guys need to focus on your own country, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And so you can see a lot of that stuff, particularly in Central and Eastern Europe, really ramping up with these with the ladies back in there, <laughs> Newland and Powers. Um, they're they're both pretty obsessed with this region. Newland, of course, famous for her role in the Ukrainian coup. Oh, yeah. I mean, Biden during the foreign policy speech, he like really centered on Russia. And he said, quote, I made mm -hmm. it clear to Putin in a manner very different from my predecessor that the days of the U.S. rolling over in the face of Russia's aggressive actions, interfering with our elections, cyber attacks, poisoning its citizens are over. Is Navalny a U.S. citizen? How does that qualify as <laughs> Russian might be, aggression <laughs> against the U.S.? Like, Do ask, our assets citizens spook? now? Are they given citizens? <laughs> I think he is. Yeah, he is in the same way that like Haftar was and stuff like that. Um, I think that whole thing is so funny. I know Macron like refused to give the poison report to the Russians. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> they haven't been able to see any of that stuff. No one has. So um, just throwing the, the, that out there. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's it's so USAID is the perfect place for Samantha Powers. Like, I, I, I can't believe yeah. that no one thought of this before. She is in her element here. I mean, for those who don't know who she is, she is very famous as I think. It's funny because the term bleeding heart liberal definitely applies to her, but it's not like her heart that's bleeding. It's like the hearts of like other people that she sent in troops <laughs> to, to, to kill that are bleeding. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she really has sort of modernized the um, the the concept of like this this liberal interventionism, like there's humanitarian mm. interventionism where America, if we see there is an atrocity somewhere in the world, there is a wrong that needs to be righted. We would be remiss and we would actually be like basically accomplices in, you know, genocide and torture, mayhem, et cetera, like we're not already. Um, if we don't if and we have a responsibility to get in there, responsibility to protect. I mean, that's our that's our whole thing. And in a very real, in a very explicit way, it calls for America to be both this sort of father figure and a policeman for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. That has not always worked out. In fact, I would say that has never worked out during her tenure in the in government. In fact, I, I believe everything she's tried to do to that effect has gone the opposite way, uh, thinking specifically of Syria and Libya. Um, but, but nonetheless, I mean, it is really interesting. She's back in because USAID to be clear, that is like synonymous with CIA. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, when the CIA doesn't want to get there or, you know, wants to use maybe aid workers for something they, they use USAID a lot of the time. They're very famous for, uh, or some of their more recent famous exploits are trying to set up a Twitter in Cuba, right. which Zun Zunio. And also there was something <laughs> yeah. to do with rappers too, right? Yeah. They tried to infiltrate the hip hop community yeah. to yeah. 
Yep. And they tried to set up like a fake vaccination program, just like they did in Pakistan. Um, but this time it like sowed all of this distrust against getting like HIV, some some sort of vaccination program to just get people uh, in in this center so then they can try to talk to them about like communism. It was super fucked up. And this was all in the span of just like a year or two that they did these three CIA operations yeah. in Cuba. Mm. I yeah. mean, and a bunch of co- countries have expelled them too, which I think yeah. all countries probably should. Bolivia, I know, did in 2013 because uh, uh, Evo Morales, you know, I, I think could probably see what was going on. He was like, you guys got to get the fuck out of mm-hmm. here. Russia expelled it in 2012. 2012. Uh, Kenya, I think, has expelled it. I mean, USAID is not a... It is not some like, well, I guess it kind of is similar to the Marshall Plan, but it is not a benevolent organization. It is, is literally like a wing of of U.S. intelligence. And Samantha Power is in charge of it now. Yeah, like, can you imagine if, I mean, just the fact that they were uh, soliciting flyers and they just like do the shit abroad, you know, and also the information yeah. warfare with um, the communications and like radio stuff. And it's like, can you imagine if Putin just made a speech and he was just like, we really need to do something about Black Lives Matter? Yes. Um, <laughs> like George Floyd, like invokes George Floyd and says that we need to take action against the U.S. It's just like it's comical when you try to implant any other country doing this to us. Yet Biden just makes these declarations like we need to punish Russia for the poisoning of Navalny. Like, mm, OK. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's it would be like if like DeRay got arrested and like Lavrov <laughs> came out and was like, "This is one of the greatest international crimes I've ever borne witness to." <laughs> Arresting your own officer. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it, it's totally ridiculous. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that I think people really like need to get through their heads is like when there are these protests erupt in other, erupt in other countries or, or or maybe are ignited with a little bit of help from their friends in other countries uh, uh you know american diplomats are always on the scene i mean specifically ukraine you know right uh, you know it, it's they're always on the scene and if anything like that like if the chinese consulate sent out members to like you know a antifa thing in oakland or whatever i mean that would be rightly viewed as like you know is insane by a lot of people like, that's a really wild thing to do and it's pretty it's pretty wild that that like our our government essentially just sends out you uh, oftentimes like top diplomats i'm thinking specifically of syria robert ford went out to these protests and like you know hands out roses and stuff like that <laughs> right. Um, right like in ukraine and, the ned uh was sponsoring all of the anti-government activists like mm-hmm. like absolutely sponsoring them and their media operations and ned president god what the fuck was his name something gershom basically said ukraine is the biggest prize um yeah. because it's the stepping stone for putin but and then yeah, you had USAID. Absolutely. I don't even know if this was like in the recent COVID relief bill, but I think even before that, USAID had granted tens of millions of dollars to Guaido's goon squad. This dude who isn't even yeah. a legislative figure in Venezuela anymore, which of course Biden and Blinken immediately recognized. By Blinken said he wanted to work with Marco Rubio, who's a crazy fucking anti-communist right winger yeah. on Venezuela. But like USAID is pain. Guaido and his friends are fucking tax dollars. Like, how does that square with anyone? Like, how is anyone okay with that? It's it's absolutely insane. Like, think about how how far that money goes in a country like Venezuela. Absolutely, you know, five hundred million dollars yeah. being spent by these people. 
Well, I mean, you do got to get the camps on the border with Colombia, and then you got to get drugs, the weapons in the camps. The, the yeah, you gotta, yeah, you got to get exactly. <laughs> you got to pay the mule and stuff like that. You know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Actually, I, I can't remember who it was, but uh, but somebody from the administration gave a press conference. I think on February third. I was reading a transcript of it earlier, but unfortunately forgot to write down most of the details. But they there was there was a series of questions about Venezuela where where they explicitly called Maduro a dictator, said that you know there's these anti democratic forces, stuff like that. Um, but but they recognized Guaido is in charge because he was the last guy who was in charge during the last democratic elections, which apparently happened in 2015 for the National Assembly. So even though, and I, you know, maybe our listeners, you know, I'm sure many of you know this, but Juan Guaido is no longer in government in Venezuela. Like when when a lot of that you know kerfluffle was happening, he was you know he was an elected you know member of the mm. National Assembly there. He is no longer a member of the National Assembly. Yeah, he's, he's just, just a, a guy. He's a dude. He's like Stephen Crowder yeah. sitting there with the desk being like, I'm president, exactly. prove me wrong. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, I mean, it is just, it, that's, you know, something you said, Abby, earlier that, 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 that sort of struck me as being extremely true is that Ob- the Obama administration set a lot of these things in motion. The Trump administration blew them up, you know, sort of like 10 times their size. They continued a lot of their policies, but made them either, you know, more blatant and sometimes more brutal. And then sometimes uh, a little, you know, too over the line for some people. I'm thinking specifically of Jerusalem. Um, But the Biden administration has done zero to end any of these things that they have said that you know you know we're recognizing Guaido we are we are not moving the embassy from Jerusalem you know it's 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 uh, aside from some of the Yemen stuff it seems really just like a direct continuation of of Trump's ramp up of a lot of this stuff absolutely the Israel thing is one of the worst because of course moving the embassy was such a dramatic measure that even though every absolutely. president has like symbolically pledged the same thing the fact that Trump actually did it and then like Kushner being personally involved in the settlement process and having a bedroom <laughs> for Netanyahu in his house. Wait, like, what? Yes, Kushner. Yes, Netanyahu like stays with Jared Kushner's family when he comes to visit. Whoa. Yeah, yeah it's pretty it's pretty sick shit, man. And um, and just that that symbolism alone like sparked off the Great March of Return. And we all know what happened there. Like tens of thousands of people were shot that were unarmed. Hundreds Mm -hmm. died from Israeli snipers, no accountability. And the fact that Blinken is now saying it was a mistake to negotiate the Iran deal in secret from Israel and the Gulf states. And now we need to have Israel involved. It's like, how is how? Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) That's was so interesting, too, because I think so many people like a lot of liberals, too, were like, well, Maybe it won't be that great, but at least, you know, the Iran nuclear deal might be right. back on the table. Maybe this will be a great thing. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was like immediately very clear that, like, no, nothing will change. In fact, everything's already been set in motion for a reason, you know? And I think like, even though people say they understand this, I think it's still really hard because I think it's really jarring for people to kind of like get it through their heads that like, no, it's true. Nothing, nothing will fundamentally change. Um it's interesting. I mean, I know that a lot of people voted for Biden and they did so because it's it's funny. I don't know. I was talking to some people about this and they said, well, you know, but we know that it's not even going to be really Biden that's in charge. Mm-hmm. And so it's like people were subconsciously 
voting for this very thing, but then are still dismayed when they see it kind of happening right in front of their faces, which is that, as we always talk about on this show, and as you guys, you know, you talked about your entire career, that behind the scenes, like... The, the show will continue to go on as it's as it's been decided it will go on, regardless of who is in power at the, you know, who's at the dais on any any given year, you know? Maybe the unpredictability was also disturbing for Americans in general who lean liberal or left about Trump. And maybe that mm. is in part why. And of course, like the embolden not that Trump was a fascist, but he definitely signaled and emboldened crazy bases of people that it was an unpredictable factor for sure in his presidency. But yeah, when it comes to foreign policy, anyone who's been paying attention knows that this is the bipartisan foreign policy doctrine and the consensus that's pushed forward no matter what. And Trump certainly didn't um, fray from that. I mean, he he stood his ground and he continued even more bellicose shit and more more policies that were way more deadly, like the sanctions alone. I mean, that was really, really Mm -hmm. crazy. But the fact that Biden is not removing those and like when it comes to the Iran deal, the fact that the U.S. is the one that ripped up the deal, then Trump puts 800 plus sanctions on Iran. Then he assassinates Soleimani. Then he assassinates with the help of Israel Fakhrizadeh, the nuclear scientist. Mm -hmm. And in the last months of his administration, this is probably going on the whole time, but in the last months, ramping up so many goddamn war games taunting Iran and then floating all of the stuff that he wanted to actually start a war with Iran before Biden took over so then we can undermine the nuclear deal that Biden was sure to renegotiate. And then Biden coming into office and saying, no, I I don't want to renegotiate this. We you have to comply with the original deal before we lift any sanctions is absolutely just beyond the pale. Like Iran has an election coming up in June. They have to appear strong somewhat. Like the fact that they are being told to capitulate and cower and like lick the boots of Joe Biden's administration when Trump just did all this crazy shit and put us on a war path, like straight up war path with Iran and assassinated several political like political official and also like a scientist. And Biden hasn't even made a statement to apologize for that. You know, and to rectify any of this, there's no accountability whatsoever. And then to just say, no, you need to start um, complying with this, which means and then also Blinken saying they're three months away from a nuke. There's no evidence that Iran has ever been trying to get a nuke. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's one thing. That's one thing that people I I think the nuclear maybe the term nuclear deal throws people off there. But like, yeah, correct. There is zero evidence, like zero evidence that Iran is building a nuclear bomb. Yeah. And to force these concessions with Iran and to make them remove all of their political leverage is like beyond humiliating. And of course, Iran isn't going to do that. Their political officials have already made it very clear, like they are bending over backwards to give Biden the chance to rectify what Trump did. And Biden's, you know, all of these people that were involved in the original negotiation, which, by the way, is also really fucked up. Like we should not be dictating what Iran can and can't do. If they want to build a nuclear weapon. So be it. (laughs) There's a million countries who want them destroyed and want regime change. So just from a deterrence factor, like North Korea, right? Israel has them. I mean, it's like, who are we to decide, especially since we're the ones who've used them before? But that aside, like the, the nuclear deal was obviously good diplomacy from a lot of people's perspectives. And so for Biden to shoot himself in the foot 
this early on is actually startling. Like I was pretty surprised because of all these people that he had compiled for his foreign policy team that were involved in the original negotiations, mm. right? And so it is kind of like blindsiding people like, why are you doing this? It's the same thing with the checks. It's just like, just give us the checks. Just yeah, give yeah, us the exactly. checks. Yeah, why are yeah, you yeah, doing yeah. this, dude? Why? It's 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 absurd to me. I mean, and Blinken being at state too is just like such a, I don't know. I I have a I have a very bad feeling that we're probably going to hear a lot about Balochistan and stuff like that from him <laughs> because he he follows that Samantha Power kind of like you know you know humanitarian interventionism thing, which is often I think really sort of grossly. Uh, compared to his stepfather uh you know who's who's you know a child who was in the holocaust i can't remember oh yeah and he Samuel invokes Pizarre. him all the time he he talks about all him the every time speech yeah seven numbers in uh epstein's black book and also <laughs> uh worked with robert maxwell very closely um but uh but yeah i mean that's the, that's i think we're gonna see a lot of that and it, you, you know you're totally right it's like it's absurd that that these sanctions on iran aren't being lifted i mean they're hugely unpopular both in Iran, obviously, and and even among like a lot of people who would be the democratic base, uh, just like the Yemen stuff. But you know, it's it's it's, it's, it's the ship's gonna keep on sailing. let's talk about Blinken because he is he is a really frightening figure and I don't think that he's a household name when he should be you know and this is the person who replaced Mike Pompeo the only difference really is that he's not an open religious zealot um, as far as I know but uh, what's really interesting about him is that he was Biden's closest foreign policy advisor when Biden disastrously championed the Iraq war and like galvanized all these Democrats to vote for it you know, famously told Bush he he deserved a Nobel Peace Prize for actually the invasion. So Blinken was the one whispering in Biden's ear when that happened. Um, and he also, I think you mentioned this, I mean, hardline advocate for the Libya war, hardline advocate yeah. for the war in Syria, the no-fly zone. He actually is on record saying mm-hmm. the biggest mistake was that we didn't go far enough yeah, in Syria. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we all know what his stance is on Venezuela, um, Israel, of course. And then when it comes to like his past, him and or he and Michelle Florney, who was also on the shortlist for yeah. the same for Lloyd Austin's position, the secretary of defense, um, who's the Raytheon board member. But Michelle Florney is also like the biggest war hawk. And everyone would yeah. like like sighed this big sigh of relief when he didn't pick her and pick this other dude instead. But like. Her and Blinken are best friends. They co-founded yeah. um, West Exec Advisors together, a really shadowy consulting firm that's modeled directly off Kissinger and Associates. And they absolutely are like the middle middle um, route to help defense corporations market their products at the Pentagon. Yeah. And they've been consulted yeah. by Israel, by um, massive, you know, Gulf states and defense contractors constantly. So, like, what is the actual difference? Well, that's also a, like a big, you know, you mentioned Blinken's history with Libya and Syria, and he shares that with power. I mean, mm-hmm. those two were, along with Susan Rice, I mean, they're, they were the biggest advocates for basically giving Assad the Gaddafi treatment 
that and they couldn't convince Obama. I mean, they, you know, they went along, they were really promoting the no fly zone, which was, of course, like Susan Rice's um, big contribution. Um, but they, I mean, I think even Power has written about how her biggest, like, she has that, like, fucking, she has a new book out. Yeah. Like last year, maybe. I, I, um, I think it's basically because she, she saw this uh, possible yeah, job or possible she was administration like, coming. Yeah, I'm sure if she didn't get USAID or something, she wanted Elizabeth Warren's seat. If that was going to happen, they had, they had floated her name for, for some of that. But um, but yeah, where she talks about like her biggest regret not being able to convince Obama to go you know harder against Assad's crimes in Syria and blah, 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 blah. And so it really does feel like, I mean, I really just am waiting for all that shit to come back. I saw that, I mean, already... <laughs> Already we've got war games happening in the Arctic, right up by Russia. We've never done that before. So we've got like actual active, um, I think it's like a couple B-5 jets playing around over by Russia for the first time. And I don't even know when. Um, we've got naval ships in the, in the Black Sea. We've got like actually aggressive stances happening that... Um, I think a lot of people just weren't expecting, you know. I will say, I will say, Liz, that video of the Russian jet sort of like skimming over the the naval ships in the Black Sea mm. is, you know, political politics aside, it's a cool video. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I read an article from the Moscow Times because I was trying to find like what is Biden's concrete plan when it comes to Russia, and you know, it's a lot mm. of pontificating right now because. All he did was give that rambling speech about kind of general foreign policy. He hasn't really outlined what's going to happen. But like you're saying, all of the people he's picked are pretty hardline, crazy Russia hawks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but Moscow Times, this guy's article kind of lays out what he thinks Biden is going to do based on what he's uh, alleged so far. And it's Mount a Cy- And tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Mount a cyber offensive against yes. Russia, support Russia's underground civil society, expose Russian official corruption through leaks, um, and discrediting the Kremlin. It's like, hmm, isn't that funny? Because you're doing all of this with the like with the premise that Russia has done this to us, therefore we must do it to them. It's just yeah. like, it's absolutely disgusting, the imperial hubris and arrogance that you just can espouse this publicly and be like, we plan to do this. It's like, really? Because yeah. I feel like for the last four years, we've been changing the algorithms on like big tech and censoring all these people and doing dramatic things here at home under the auspice of Russia attacking our democracy based yeah. on the same shit that you just like, like kind of um, said about that we're going to do to Russia. It's just like, wow, how arrogant and insane. I talk yeah. to Brace about this all the time, but I feel like I don't think people really understand how unhinged some people in in the government, U.S. government are about Russia and like Russia hawks are really fucking scary. And it's it's really wild to me that like that fucking propaganda over the past four years has worked like it is. It is so crazy to me. And I think like. I, I was reading something where, you know, even Rand has come out and said that they did a bunch of, you know, military games and exercises where they're trying to figure out stuff. And they said that the U.S. military would lose immediately, like almost immediately with a, in a war with Russia or China, which I found very funny. Sometimes they say these <laughs> things to get more contracts. Right. But I do think that that is like very true. And so you see them using these kind of, 
you know, whatever it is, you know, the like nudging, the cyber war or the more kind of like, um, you know, special ops tactics, the kind of stuff that Powers is really good at, you know, at USAID or the destabilization stuff. Um, but I, I don't think people really understand that. I mean, I mean, the U.S. is very aggressive towards Russia, like actively and has been since the Obama years. I mean, imagine if like imagine if Putin had troops on the Canadian border. What would yes. the U.S. do? Yeah, in Mexico. Like I don't like yeah. NATO surrounds Russia right. <laughs> actively. Right. And the framework from corporate media is just always like, oh, this is just Russia's paranoia. NATO building up all yeah, around no. Russia is just it has nothing to do with Russia's aggression and imperialism. It's like, what imperialism are you talking about? The annexation of Crimea, which also Trump sanctioned Russia for. And yeah. like this and like you're totally right. I talk to people all the time about a multitude of things and it always like it, the conversation will kind of come around to Putin somehow like oh, well, that's just Putin doing that. Oh, well, Trump was really in here because of Putin. And it's like, well, wait, ho hold on. What do you actually mean by that? Like, do you think that Putin and Russia hacked our voting machines? Like, it just seems yeah, like there's, yeah, exactly. they don't actually understand what it means. And then and then if they do, they just believe the the intelligence narrative that like, okay, they influenced opinion enough to shift the polls and whatever in terms of like the Facebook ads or whatever. It's like, really? Really though? Yeah. Do you remember when they floated that with Bernie? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was when Bernie was doing really it. well. That this mm -hmm. Washington Post came out with uh with with a with an article being like uh, intelligence officials are saying that like Russia is boosting, but we never got any follow up on that. Yeah, I and mean, it wasn't it like right, was it right the before the caucus was. or something? It was like they tried to test it out, and then Bernie had to do this big mea culpa tour where he was like, "Oh, I denounced yeah, Putin yeah. and all this shit." It's just like, why are you playing into well, this? Well, that was totally fake, dude. <laughs> Yeah, a big and then guy. like the bounty thing, remember? Because Biden just said the bounty thing, and um, oh, also like troops. he's going to review the bounty. Biden's repeating that too now. Yes, and it's like the corporate media and whatever intelligence agencies Love will plant it. these stories. They're completely fake, and then yeah. the corporate media will repeat them, and then like they'll just come back. It's like a circular circle jerk, you know. And and Biden will just be like, okay, yeah. we need to review this. Yeah, all the Democrats got mad at Trump because they said he wasn't doing enough uh, in Afghanistan because right. now there are bounties on American troops' heads. And you know, you mentioned Ukraine, and we would really be remiss not to talk about one Toria Newland because mm -hmm. I actually listened to a podcast that she was on. She's not a podcast host. I, I think you will all be relieved to hear. She was simply a guest <laughs> on some podcast that brings together uh, State Department officials and uh, military officials for a little bit of a chat. But she went on with some general. I can't remember his fucking name. And I hope he gets, you know, the kind of diabetes where it makes your feet fall off. But uh, <laughs> he, you know, they're talking about how, you know, it's really, you know, we got to you know, bring these countries into NATO and it's really good. You know, we've brought all these border states on, uh, along Russia into NATO. And, you know, I think it's Georgia's time next. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one one has to wonder the, the definition of North Atlantic. Okay. Fairly far stretched by having Turkey in it. But I feel like Georgia, not, I mean, now you're officially, you know, firmly in Asia. I, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little ridiculous. I mean, that it's, uh, and, uh, you know, Victoria Newland, extremely active in, in Ukraine during the, oh, uh, yeah. during, during the, the Euromaidan there. Fuck um, the EU, and, bro. And to have, and she's yeah. married. She's married to Robert Kagan, who is like, 
I mean, we're talking about a so-called liberal. Uh, well, I mean, it is liberal, but we, you know, we're, we're talking about this sort of you know liberal progressive uh, government we have now. I mean, the wife of like one of the architects of of the Iraq War. I mean, literally one of the guys who started Project for a New American Century is in there, and you know, Kagan's writing op eds alongside Anthony Blinken too, mm-hmm. talking about how right now is exactly like the 1930s. And so Victoria Newland being in, in back back in the saddle is you know is a very disheartening news. Yeah, she's infamously on the phone. I forget who the guy was. She was on the phone with talking about who they should put in the Ukrainian government um, during Euro Maidan. Um, yeah. it's pretty crazy. And of course, Biden mm. was involved. That's how Hunter got his sweet gig uh, at oh, yeah. the gas the. Ukrainian oil company. I mean, she also pushed for regime change in Libya and Syria. And as you mentioned, uh, her husband is one of the pioneers of neoconservatism. And, you know, what is how is that driving her policy? And we know that even though Obama kind of deterred from like the Newland doctrine in his last year, like he didn't send the I think $300 million in Ukrainian weapons. You know, he yeah. kind of pushed back on the Russia thing. He never really came out and supported um, the Russiagate stuff. But I think Biden's just going to be such an empty vessel that that's what worries mm. me more about, like, the Russia push from these people is that Biden's not going to have the wherewithal that, that Obama did to necessarily push back on any of this. I think, too, like, you know, so the thing people forget is, like, the Biden, and I should say the Bidens, are, like, fucking crooks. So, like, mm-hmm. I think, like, they probably hear, I mean, that's a family of crooks, I'm sorry, but, like, they hear shit about Ukraine. Biden's built his career on, like, lining his own pockets and lining his friends' pockets. And, like, if there's good kickbacks for the U.S. and for U.S. interests, then, like, that's, I mean, at least more so than, you know, any evidence I've seen of Obama lining his own personal pockets right. in that same yeah, way. Yeah, he's just concerned Do you know what about, I mean? Like, and so, like... And podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. He's, got, he's more of a, like, CIA soft cultural power <laughs> kind of guy. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I just think, like, you know, he's fucking, you know, they'll be all involved in all that oligarch shit all over again. Just like, I mean, just like the Trumps were. The good know? oligarchs, though. Kushner. Yeah, I love how I love how yeah. Russia has oligarchs and we don't, you know. It's like but also one crazy <laughs> yeah, thing about yeah. Newland is that she was the CEO of CNAS, the Center for New American Security, one of the most yes. hawkish think tanks in DC that's literally funded by uh weapons contractors. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's just yeah. a joke. And you even see like I think CNAS had something on the global competition doctrine or or the whatever that guy just wrote about in that Navy journal that we can talk about. But it actually said, like, here's a podcast about this idea. And they're, like, sponsored by Lockheed Martin. And they're, like, thank you to <laughs> to Bay Systems and Lockheed Martin for this. It's just, like, it's just it's just really beyond parody. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. And, like, you know, it's it's I, I've been to Ukraine. I have mm-hmm. not been to the border or the 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 more hot regions of the country, but I've been to Ukraine and I have seen I was there for two and a half weeks 
And I saw more neo-Nazis there than I think Ian Stewart did during his entire time as the lead singer of Screwdriver. I mean, my God, <laughs> it, 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 it was, it was incredible. In Odessa, I was, I spent most of my time in Odessa and, you know, Odessa, traditionally a lot of, uh, you know, my kind of people there, uh, a lot of Jewish city, but also now, uh, well, and has been for quite a long time, a lot of Russians there as well. And, and, you know, famously, uh, Ukrainian nationalists burned down the trade union hall there with a ton of people inside, uh, pro-Russian speakers as they think they called them. But 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 you know people who were against the the new sort of neo-Nazi regime there. But Newland was instrumental alongside McCain and all these other people in basically making it seem like there was this you know this real beautiful democratic movement in Ukraine that this was this was you know a a power to the people, you know, kind of thing where, where we're going to have this, this liberal democracy and, uh, and, and, you know, really trying to, to take attention away from these massive, and I mean massive, n- straight up Nazi organizations, like no exaggeration, mm-hmm. real Nazi organizations, you know, and like that was who was providing the, 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 the muscle in, in Maidan, uh, you know, and that was who who really, you know, controls large parts of the, I mean, parts of the drug trade in the country and is a, sort of a lot of these groups functions, paramilitary organizations, you know, and real military organizations. I mean, Azov Battalion is essentially, uh, you know, integrated with the U.S. military or yeah, excuse me, yeah. with the uh, with the Ukrainian military. Yeah, it was pretty disgusting how that was omitted from the narrative and it was just lauded as some heroic democratic movement and of course no footage right like and this is this was the weird part about the whole ukraine thing is that rt of course being state propaganda as well it was like that was the only place that i was seeing like the the other side of the story but it was also really fucking crazy like the footage of people suited up you know clearly provided like insane body armor People, like you said, people were trapped, like being burned alive and beaten to death on film. Like hordes of people yeah, that yeah, were clearly, yeah. you know, something Dead else was going too. on there. And you had just Vice and all of these like collaborators <laughs> with like U.S. Empire propaganda just covering up the Azov Battalion. And, and not a, not only that, but like covering them and, and in a positive way, yeah. you know. Um and and I'll remember there when, was this sort of yeah. like this sort of like sheen on it, like these guys yeah. are you know they're badass. Yep. yep. Yeah, they're super badass. Yeah. They're super badass. Just like when Shane Smith was in Libya in the lead up to the <laughs> the Gaddafi being lynched, and he like filmed these kids being like, "We need weapons! Like, give us weapons! These weapons are old." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, "Do you hear this, Obama? Like, what are you gonna do?" Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, says. yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't Gaddafi be sodomized <laughs> to death with a knife? I mean, this is literally these kids want, want they want new guns. Yeah, and um, then, I mean, it, it, yeah, the Ukraine like, thing now is like very crazy too because of the pipeline that's being built. But that's like become a huge source of tension because with Europe too and Germany because Germany is like we want to keep buying Russian gas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we have no other way. You know, yeah. I mean, they also have memories of the fucking embargo, right? Where, like, so many people in Northern Europe, like, fucking died because of a gas embargo in the middle of winter. Um, no, the, what is it? Um, Nord Stream Nord 2. Nord Stream, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Russian mm-hmm. pipeline. Like, you know, basically the EU is trying to, like, repair relations with Russia so they can get this pipeline. And the Ukraine Ukraine is, like, in the middle being, because it's not, you know, the Ukrainians aren't going to have access to it, saying, like, no, 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 
uh, this is fucked up. You can't do it. And like, you know, the Americans don't want it. They're sanctioning all of the Russian gas companies and like the insurers for anyone, <laughs> any of the contractors of the pipeline. It's just like a total, it's a total mess. Um, and so that, I mean, Ukraine's like right in the middle of this. None of this stuff's going away. Right. Yeah. And we continue to turn a blind eye to the neo-Nazification of elements of the country. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are confused about why is the U.S. even in competition with Russia because the Soviet Union collapsed so long ago. There's no longer this Cold War threat, yet the mentality still persists of basically being on a complete warpath with Russia. And it's just because we, it's a global power, just like China. You know, I mean, we didn't expect and I keep saying we like the ubiquitous. We. It's like this government did not <laughs> expect Russia to get back into the world stage, just like. You know, they didn't think yeah. China yeah. would emerge as a global power and have the influence that it does have. And so we want to be like the sole dominant power of the world. And that's really what this all boils mm -hmm. down to. Uh, Russia and China are threatening to the unipolar um, domination of the U.S. empire. And so mm -hmm. that, you know, of course, they don't want to avoid all out war and occupation with either of these uh, either of these countries and so that's why it's focused on the systematic weakening of the countries from within militarily regime change sanctions and economic warfare um it's really a, a war on many fronts it doesn't have to be like an all-out military war yeah. and that's why you yeah. see um you know an information war too i mean that's a huge one right like the the corporate media acts as the arm of the pentagon to condition americans into thinking that okay well what are we going to do about it you know what are we going to do about the uyghurs what are we going to do about lgbtq people in russia we have to do something right you know i think too it's a resource mm -hmm. thing i mean i i mean there was like a really creepy article that came out sometime last year in the new york times magazine or new york times i can't remember it was in the paper the magazine and all these people were like offended by it but it like confirmed one of my tinfoil hat theories for a long time because you know i i don't think that i mean people think the government is like our climate change deniers i don't think that's true i think what they do know though is that, like if anyone's gonna do well in a changing world climate it's gonna be russia there's a shit ton of arable land there that can produce food and is has rich resources um and the united states will not have any of that if things go according to scientific um estimates and there was an article that basically kind of came out and said that um and i was like pretty shocked that <laughs> they would just come out and say it and put it in people's minds. But it was very clear that they're aware of, you know, how much fucking land Russia has, you know, I think, and 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 gas and oil and, and real resources that, um, you know, the, that the U.S. wants. Absolutely. That's what Afghanistan's all about. You know, it's at the crossroads of mm -hmm. all of these mm -hmm. international competitors of capitalism. And yeah, of course, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about the extraction and protection of resources and capital and um china you know is is another kind of front that's going to be 
dealing with the climate change issue and that and Blinken was careful to be like, yeah, we want to work with China on the climate, but we also really want to take a tough approach uh, when it comes to all the other shit that they're doing and like immediately flew like did war games in the body of water between Taiwan and mainland China. It's like, OK, <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah. If anyone ever looks up like where the U.S. Navy is, yeah, right. you're going to see like you won't be able to see the sea of the South China Sea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. just like a big fucking party happening over there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that 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 South China Sea is, I think, one of the uh, one of the big flashpoints we might see in in the in the coming oh, yeah. future. Um, I do think that those little islands the Chinese mm-hmm. build are fucking cool. They are fucking so cool. My dad is like my dad. My dad got really like uh, old guy obsessed. Can you explain with them these like, for people who don't know about them? So there are a lot of um, what you might call. Uh, islands i don't know if you can really call them islands because they're about islands for about two hours of the day when like they they they, little bits of sand are exposed but essentially they're like they're they're little you know tufts of land underneath the water that it's like barely underneath the water and china goes in and essentially builds artificial islands on them but they do technically qualify as islands because it's not just like a you know like an installation in the middle of the ocean you know there is land underneath it but they build airfields and they build little like uh tiny little bases there essentially like you know putting a footprint down i always thought it would be cool to be one of the guys on those because you know you're like there were 20 people (laughs) there's literally nothing around you for miles as far as the eye can see and you just kind of sit there all day you know i I thought that would be kind of a cushy job but maybe you'd be part of chinese imperialism exactly yeah 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 yeah. imperialist stooge i I mean, that's the thing is like, is, 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 is America really wants to prevent that because a lot of those islands are sort of situated near a very important trade route and, Mm -hmm. uh, and for both the U S and for China. And so, you know, we have fleets there basically the same all the time, just like we always have fleets, you know, uh, you know, in, in right next to Iran. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, it's a way essentially of, uh, you know, it's our version of having, um, Eastern European countries in NATO, right? Is that we have actual force on the border of these countries. And with China, you know, because the the border is water, we got to have it as close as possible to their territory. It's absolutely sick, man. And we didn't even talk about Jake Sullivan. He's another crazy Oh my God, dude. Yeah. I always confuse him with the guy on NBC or Jake CN, Tapper. what's his name? Yeah, Jake, Jake Tapper. Tapper. <laughs> who used to be good. They sound like the same person. Yeah, I know Jake Tapper is such a, such a shill, man. Uh, but... And he's such a Zionist too. He's he's really hardcore Zionist. Um, yeah. Oh Christ. Yeah, but no, yeah, Jake yeah. Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, he's on the board of the yeah. Alliance for Securing Democracy, that weird, shady think tank that installed this black box algorithm that deemed like what is and what is not a Russian bot. And like bizarrely enough, like all oh, these crazy right, right, nefarious right. characters sit on the board of this think tank, including Mike Morell. Wait, what was? What was the what was the thing called? Hamilton like sixty eight dashboard. Used? Yes. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah. there was prop right. or not too. That right. was like a, that? that was like a citizens total board. spook fest, man. Yeah. Prop or not said that they they said that we were doing Russian. Prop. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no. Yeah. They they're That's such the... spooks. It's not even funny. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. They they were essential in getting so many people deplatformed and basically backpaged into complete oblivion on Google and they're you know they drive a lot of the twitter and facebook censorship too but it's a super elusive think tank that is run by literal war criminals in the bush administration which is just so interesting right it's like oh you guys all came together 
for this common cause. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's just unreal. So yeah, he and he's another Obama foreign policy alumni, like a lot of these people are. He's he's the uh, national security advisor, and he was also the top advisor to Warhawk Hillary Clinton in her memoir, Hard Choices. She said mm. he was at my side everywhere I went. Just like, ooh, that is not a good look. Oof. Even Comet Even Pizza? Even Pizza in the base, in the, in the bowels <laughs> oh of Comet God. Pizza. In the basement? <laughs> they let anybody in there these days. I mean, that's, that's, what's, so, that's what's so wild about all this stuff is that, like, it, it seems like so many people, you know, they, like mm-hmm. Newland, for example, you know, served for mm-hmm. Bush and then for Obama and then kind of took the Trump years off and now they're back. And it's like Trump had to just get the Reagan yeah, people. Right. Like yeah. <laughs> the Obama and Bush. Pe- oh, some of the Bush people yeah. definitely were, were in there. But like he really had to like reach back like a further generation to get to get to get, you know, Bill Barr and and, 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 yeah. and people like that. Um, but it's it's this just I mean. I don't see how any because you know we said on the show you know not to vote for Joe Biden all the you know all this stuff yada yada, but like to those people who could it's like, I, like these guys are mm. back like then they are they are back and they have a lot of power um, especially with such a weak executive you know you aren't gonna have you know Obama fucking sucked but like he did push back on Clinton. Right. You know, and he did push back on even the Libya stuff. He didn't commit as fully as they wanted him to commit. It was Syria. They didn't, he didn't, I mean, even with all that billion dollars that they say got wasted, but I'm pretty sure that did not get wasted. I think that did end up in in the hands that it was supposed to get into. Um, It's, it's, but like, even with that, like, you know, these people are like the, it's like, it's like that, those years unleashed, you know, it, it, it's, they're, they're, they're sick. These people are fucking yeah, sick. Yeah, you're right. Like the Reagan, you know, the dirty war shit, like bringing back people like Elliot Abrams. It was like cartoonishly evil, but at the same time, mm. it was like, they, they do not like people like that because of how obvious it was. Um, and even Chris Murphy, you saw yeah. like democratic yeah. senators coming out on Twitter, like very <laughs> openly being like, we support the regime change in Venezuela, but Trump was just like a, you know, a buffoon and did it all wrong. Yes. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But why do you hire guys from Instagram? It was <laughs> right, like basically right. the problem. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. That, so it's just a more efficient, tightly run foreign policy, and it's yeah. the exact same goals in mind, really. And you even had Blinken like reiterating that Trump's stance on China was great. It was actually the right approach to have this tough yeah, stance. Yeah. And going back to this great power competition thing that is really creepy because, you know, these are two nuclear armed powers, China and Russia, and they do not pose a threat to the United States whatsoever. But you have even like this really top Navy journal um, and this U.S. strategic command admiral, this guy named Charles Richard, who just wrote an article in this prominent journal. And the U.S. strategic command is who like oversees the nuclear arsenal. And he wrote this yeah, insane yeah. article just kind of casually talking about how the threat of nuclear war is a very real possibility and we need to militarily, mm-hmm. like preemptively act militarily to stave off these other nuclear threats before they can fill that power vacuum. It's like what you were saying before about the Kagan mentality of, well, if we're not the empire, these these countries will be the empire. And you don't want that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's got to be an empire. empire. Might, Might as well be us. us on top. It's like, well, why Why is the, the exactly. notion that there's like barbarism 
like sadistically committed to subjugate tens of millions of people around the world, like just an accepted truth. Like, well, if someone's got to do it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's. I read that Stratcom essay. We should we should link to it, and more people should read it because it's it's pretty scary. It's, I mean, it's definitely trying to get people to support the idea of like low level nuclear war. I mean, that's like what its objective is, and it's really um, it's really frightening. You know, I think. You know, when you kind of like survey the landscape and you look at everything and it feels like, you know, the, the U.S. is really not in good shape, I think. <laughs> like it's not domestically. There's an obscene amount of unrest. Um, it seems like, you know, the economy is not in great shape at all. Uh, that the, the recovery is not happening. <laughs> it's yeah, globally. Yeah. It's completely it's so thinly stretched globally that it can and it continues on these kind of adventures. I think we'll see many more adventures um you know in central and eastern europe in this in southern eastern asia absolutely like as the years go on and it's just like more and more thinly stretched and you have to wonder sometimes like i mean i don't know i wonder this where it's like what the fuck happens when these guys turn suicidal like you're saying like oh if it can't be mm -hmm. us it won't be anyone and that's where you see this like nuclear nihilism and it scares the fucking shit out of me because like I don't know. I mean, I spend a lot of time trying to I, I try to understand what's going on with a lot of different countries. And I try to read a lot of foreign press, you know, as much as I can. And you try to kind of see through, you know, OK, what's how much of a mouthpiece mm -hmm. am I reading? Or maybe I'll just read the speeches of the politicians to kind of try and read between the lines a little bit, you know, and it's like something that I've noticed is like a common refrain from the Russians, at least is like, they don't they like they're like the Americans don't know what war is and the right. Russians we right. as people know what war is and they say this a lot and I think it's really true because you know it's not just you know the how many I mean what was it 25 million people million Russians died in World War II I mean it was just an an, an incredible and we <laughs> take credit sacrifice for yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they know about it, by the way. They know that the world thinks that the U.S. is the one the that won say. World War II. And it's, you know, I don't think they feel good about it. And, you know, Putin knows that the U.S. put him there thinking that they would have him, and they don't anymore. And that's an issue. But, like, they know that Americans have absolutely no idea what war is and that Russia does. And, like, that's not a good position to be in when we're the aggressors. <laughs> like, we are the aggressors here um, in case, like, people are, like, unclear about that. Um, and it really fucking, you know, it really fucking freaks right, me out. Right, and in this essay, the guy is, like... You know, these people are um, working on their new nuclear arsenal and launching um, cyber attacks and basically violating all these treaties and also like expanding their agenda through COVID. Again, projecting and deflecting everything that the United States is doing onto China and Russia when instead, like, yeah. honestly, China, it's because of China that there's a vaccine in effect. It's because of China that all of this information is being shared yeah. and also china was trying to give people like ventilators and masks and um that was shut down as well so it's like all of these goodwill attempts were painted as some sort of nefarious ccp plot to advance like communism around the world um but yeah no you're totally right and when you look at something like obama modernizing the nuclear arsenal of the united states for one trillion dollars mm. what message is yeah. that sending to russia because if oh if if yeah, Biden totally. today said, let's dismantle all nuclear weapons. 
the entire world would lay down their fucking nukes and it would be over. Yeah. It's only because the U.S. is posturing itself as this crazy giant threat to world peace and has the most nukes and is the only country that has used nukes and refuses to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And is viol- we're the ones violating all these goddamn treaties. It's only because of that does that Russia yeah. continues to do the same on a way smaller scale. Right. And it's like, yeah. People can't wrap their minds around that because we are the most brainwashed, propagandized society in, on the planet. Mm-hmm. And we think that we're free. And it's just, it's like really sad how little people even care about foreign policy. Like it was, it, it's actually really deflating in a lot of ways because I feel like it's directly linked to why we don't have shit. Like why we don't have healthcare, why we can't eliminate debt. All these things mm-hmm. are because our money is completely squandered into this giant out of control military machine and it's like how are we so disconnected from what this government does in our names around the world you know people who are rightly concerned about black lives here and police brutality it's like what the hell do you think special forces are doing around the world to people of color exactly like what do you think our drones are doing in africa right yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really good point. Is that is that is that a lot of people sort of view even Biden as like semi-progressive domestically or something like that. But like you know, America is 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 the whole world at this point. You know, there is nowhere you can hide that we can't touch you, and so it's it's you can't separate the two you know you can't separate robert kagan's wife being in being the uh being in the state department from 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 any domestic policies any progressive things that he might do here it's all the same regime and that's mm. that's something that like it, it, you know it, it's it's easier to hide that stuff because i think a lot of people view like foreign policy or what's going on in other countries as this sort of impossible, unknowable thing, right? Like, well, I don't know too much about, like, Russia's political situation, so I can't really speak to what we're doing there. Like, oh, you know, I, I, you know, I, it's the Syrian civil war is so complicated, or Yemen is so complicated and all this I'm stuff. I'm so sick of shit, that, that shit, man. <laughs> Read right. a fucking book, man. Yeah. Like, it's I also don't know. not that complicated. It's not that or complicated. Or like Palestine. Like, They're like, oh, it's too I, I just crazy. Read, I just read yeah. shit. Yeah. Just read stuff, or like listen man. to your pot, like listen to people who do know what they're talking exactly. about and who do this for a yeah, living. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's 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 like yeah, throwing your hands up and being like, well, I can't figure it out, but I support the government to do what's right. It's like no, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. and also what really what's even more disgusting to me is people who know nothing right about Russia or China, and then they just are like, well. You know, they just like just repeat all this propaganda that they hear, but then they couldn't even tell you like yeah. anything about the country culturally, economically, politically, how how it's structured, what their right. histories are, like nothing yeah, at yeah, yeah. all. Yet they just like repeat what they see on CNN, and it's just like, what is wrong with you, dude? At yeah. least, at least like take the L and just be like, all right, like I I'm not gonna weigh in on this, guys. Like haven't done my due diligence, haven't done the research. <laughs> Or just say with China, you can literally just say the dragon, dragon rises, <laughs> and people will be like, "Damn, this guy knows a lot about China." My God. <laughs> well, Abby, we we got to wrap up here, but I do, I do, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about something that I periodically think about every few weeks and be like, "Hey, what's going on with that?" You actually are a victim of America's BDS yes. laws. 
which is which is wild because you don't you know I remember you know they were coming out with these laws and I was like damn I wonder if they'll actually apply them and I read it you know in some cases they did but you were actually prevented speaking at a university I think Georgia because of your support for boycott uh, divestment sanctions on Israel so what's what's yeah, the deal so with briefly that? for people who don't know that are listening there's over 28 states that have passed statewide measures to force independent contractors to sign a pledge that they have not and will not ever boycott the state of Israel. Um, this law has been challenged on local levels, like, for example, Texas, a speech pathologist who is Palestinian, if I'm not mistaken, challenged it. And so there's been different verdicts throughout. Um, I was slated to give a keynote speech at a media literacy conference, ironically enough, <laughs> like something that's supposed to be about free speech <laughs> on a college fucking campus. This is like something that we hear conservatives bemoan about constantly, like free speech suppression because people boo Milo Yiannopoulos or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. Pro-Palestine speech is actually being systematically censored at by the state. Like that is actually the definition of censorship. Uh, and so BDS activism on a state on a campus level is, is where it's being targeted the most. But this is like statewide initiatives that if you are just going to work, like let's say you're a construction worker and you sign a contract to work for a couple of weeks, this clause is in your contract that you cannot ever boycott the state of Israel. And so I've been covering this for a while with my film Gaza Fights for Freedom and a bunch of other work that I've been doing for Palestinian yeah, yeah, advocacy. Yeah. Really good. I've seen it. They, Fantastic. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. That's great. And so, of course, I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is in this contract in Georgia. I was like, of course, I'm not going to sign this shit. And the organizers, uh, the entire conference fell apart. And behind the scenes, we have we've subpoenaed internal documents and like all the organizers are like, what should we do? We should just cancel it. So anyway, I decided to sue the state of Georgia with CARE, uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations and also um, the Partnership for Civil Justice Fund, who has done a lot of great work for for uh, protest zones in D.C. We've worked together to sue the state of Georgia to try to repeal this law. Um, they are now trying to up the cap on independent contractors to make it so like unless you're getting paid one hundred thousand dollars, it doesn't apply to you just to like make the case moot. Um, so now it's all kind of on hold from COVID. Whoa. But here's what's really interesting is that they brought my case to like the local uh, legislature or whatever to talk about what they should do. And they brought an Israeli consulate official with them. To talk about like, well, what should we do? Like, th huh. this guy is telling us we should do this. It's like, wait, <laughs> this is like direct foreign interference yeah, yeah, from a yeah, foreign country. Yeah. And then also, the day after my case was filed, and people can watch the press conference on on Empire Files YouTube. It's very important to to really understand what's going on because this is the most flagrant, blatant violation of our free speech rights going on in the country today. The right to free speech, the right to have political boycotts, which was granted by the Supreme Court during the Montgomery bus boycotts during the civil rights era. These are two things enshrined yeah. in the First Amendment, and they are being undermined by the state of Israel. The day after I filed my lawsuit, Netanyahu's office tweeted like we've worked really hard to pass these laws in the United States and whoever boycotts us will be boycotted, like literally threatening economic consequences for Americans who are would dare to boycott a foreign country, which is completely our right to do. Yeah. And if you were to replace it, it, I just like want people to do like a thought experiment, just replace the word Israel with like Russia. If you were given a contract to work. Yeah. And it was like, you can never boycott Russia. I, I mean, it's just like so surreal that these have passed in so many states. Yeah. And we have to actually sue the state in order to challenge these laws because it's already passed under the radar. 
for so many people. I think like if you were to ask the average yeah, person, yeah. like they would just be like, what? That's crazy. But no one even knows that this is happening because they're all passed under the assumption that they're fighting anti-Semitism somehow because it's all conflated and yeah, yeah. it's really gross. And so hopefully our goal is to eventually get this to the Supreme Court because of the different verdicts that have been passed down. I think three states now have been, uh, you know, this has been challenged. So hopefully that happens and hopefully a judge does the right thing because yeah. it's just so goddamn obvious that it's a violation of our constitution. It, it's one of those things that's so flagrant that I think if you explain it to just a normal person who doesn't know what like BDS is or even really what Palestine is, yeah. they'd be like, what? <laughs> you can't like boycott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to buy something? <laughs> but it's the worst. Like, it's not even that. It's like, it's not even good. It's awful. It's I awful. actually, I don't think good. I've ever had it. Um, yeah. And then people, it's, oh, it's always funny too. It's like people are like, well, if you know, if you're, uh, if you really want to boycott Israel, you got to boycott your computer too. It's like, <laughs> fine, I will. You can't tell that I use it. It's in my home. I'll just lie and say I do. <laughs> well, Abby, it has been a pleasure to have you on. Um, it, and uh, and uh, like 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 she mentioned her her film, and you did that with uh, Mike you Preisner, did that with somebody yeah, else, partner. right? It wasn't yeah. just you. It was yeah. you Mike and Preisner, of course the Mike team Preisner. in Gaza. Yeah. Uh, and, Gaza. F- yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 Um, Gaza fights for freedom. It's a Gaza very, fights where for can it? It's available in Spanish, Arabic, and English. Check Makes it out. Easy. You could also buy it on the DVD. It's a really, I mean, it's a really crazy film. And the Palestinian journalists risk their lives uh, getting the footage. It's really incredible stuff. So I encourage. I was banned from going to Gaza, so I I'm deemed an enemy agent from Israel. So I can't go back. Thank you. I wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs> we all aspire. For you guys are already Russian yeah. agents, that honor. and I'm sure the list will continue to build. But yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's been a oh, huge so. honor. Love the show. Love you guys, Liz Brace and Young Chomsky back there doing the drops. So thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. You think it was weird that if I asked her if they had another sibling? No, I kind of thought it would be funny. I kind of wanted to know, too. Maybe there's yeah, like an but, extra one we could have along for. I know, but what if they have one that's like fucked up or, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, ooh, that's like a, that's a, that's a risk because what if there's like a mm. third Martin who's like a, you know, a killer or something like that? Or it works at like Lockheed Martin. <laughs> exactly. But luckily, luckily, Melvin Martin doesn't exist yet. It would be necessary to invent. That's dude. The Biden quote about Israel that if Israel didn't exist, it would be necessary to invent. It is so funny, because it's a classic oh evil guy God. quote. It is. Um, and I, I'll tell you this: if there wasn't an Israel, I would spend every dying breath I have making a new Israel alongside the western border, borders of Poland and, and the eastern borders of Germany, where it should be. <laughs> On that note, I'm Liz. My name is Henry Morgenthau, and we have with us producing Young Chomsky, uh, and we have music, of course, by a klezmer band. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.